So today, I'm going to be uh, talking about uh, the woman at the well and how Jesus, Jesus looks out for the outcast. See, have you ever noticed that, that some of the greatest things in life seem to happen by accident? You know, this is how the encounter with Jesus and the woman at the well seemed. How did this event come together? Neither of, them, neither of them were supposed to be there. The woman should have been collecting water in the morning, in the cool hours of the day. And Jesus was a Jew. Jews didn't go to Samaria. But here they are at the well. And when you consider, when you consider the good that was done, you are forced to say, maybe it wasn't an accident after all. Jesus had a remarkable rapport with people who would not appear to make good church members. You know, Jesus looked for the outcast. Notice Jesus does not condemn, but kindly leads this woman to a faith that would change her life forever. So what can we note here about Jesus and this outcast? That is an important question, for in one way or another, we have all been outcasts. Before we knew Jesus, we were all outcasts. We were all broken. We were actually all searching and didn't even know we were searching for anything. But that's the thing about Jesus. You don't even know that you're looking. And then he finds you because you can't find him. Because he, he, you, you're the one that's lost. He's not lost. He found you at your lowest point and said, come. Come to me. Follow me. I will bring you peace. So John 4, 1 through 7, starts out by saying, Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judah and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me water. See, if you think about it, do you think that the woman would have sought out Jesus? I don't think she was looking for Jesus. She was hiding from her guilt and shame. She didn't want to be accused 
by her other female people in her village. So she went out about noon, because that's about the sixth hour, to go get her water. And it was a trap. So you wouldn't really want to do this unless you wanted to be avoided, but avoid people. See, but, but we can't get to his level, you see. We can't get to Jesus' level on our own. That's why when I, when I got saved, my testimony, I said, I did not find Jesus. I don't think anybody in here found Jesus, by the way. I think Jesus found them. Just like he's at the well with this, with this woman. He comes to us. He finds us where we are, where we need to be to meet him. Because we don't search for him on our own. See, he also meets us at strange times. You know, he shows up at a wow. And by the way, Jesus fed 5,000. Do you think Jesus could have got some water out of that well? I think Jesus could have miraculously made a, a, a cup and levitated it down there, filled it up and brought it up, or just filled it up with water. It was Jesus. He made fish out of little fish and made more fish and more fish and more fish. So it's not like Jesus wasn't capable of getting his own water. See? But he meets us at strange times. But he also meets us at ordinary times. My, my, my personal thing is he met me at a strange time. He met me at a funeral. And I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the day when I said to my wife, hey, let's try church out. I'm sure she'll never forget it because I told her I'd never step foot in church. So, so I always say, don't tell God never because he's got a really big sense of humor. But he also meets us in ordinary times. Some of us did get a smack in the face from Jesus. Some of us met him on a day-to-day basis. You see? So Jesus meets us where we are. It goes on to say, For his disciples had gone, 8 through 19, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked me him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. 
Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But everyone who drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus knows who and what we are. See, the thing about Jesus, he already knows who you are. You can't hide anything from Jesus. We try to all the time. We try to pretend all the time. But Jesus knows everything about you. See, Jesus knew everything about this woman, didn't he? He'd never met this woman before. It's not like he went and sent spies into the village. Hey, check out the woman that goes to the well at noon so I could really freak her out at the well. He knew exactly about this woman. You see, we can't hide ourselves from God. We try to hide from ourselves. We try to push that deep sins down inside. We think we're pretending that they don't exist and we're hiding them from ourselves. But God knows everything. You can't hide nothing from him. See, knowing the fact that God knows everything can be pretty liberating, okay, but it can also be very troubling. Knowing that God knows all about me. You see, he knows my deepest, darkest secrets. He knows what this brain is thinking 24-7. That's the God we worship if you follow Jesus. And then we try to hide. But the beautiful thing about God, even though he knows who you are, he still loves you. It goes on to say, verse 20 through 26, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah, Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus loves us where we are. See, do you love the way Jesus dealt with her? Jesus was sensitive. I have trouble being sensitive, by the way. I, I, I am not good with sensitivity. I, I don't do well with that. And that's something that God's got to work on me uh, for. Because uh, that we're supposed to be becoming more and more like Jesus. So this is what we can learn, too. From, the, from how Jesus re reacts with the woman at the well. Jesus dealt with this woman gently and sensitively. See, this is the beautiful thing. And if you don't hear anything else the rest of today, hear this. Sin cannot separate you from his love. It cannot. He's paid the price for your sin. If you accept it, if you hold on to it, if you live a life of repentance because you know that you are a sinner saved by grace, then nothing can separate you from the love of God. See, how can the one who really knows us love us so much? Why? I don't think we'll ever get that answer. Why he loves us so much. Why didn't he just wipe us out and start again? Why were at the fall when Adam and Eve did not listen to God? Why didn't he just say, hey, knock it down, we'll start again. We, we could just wipe this universe out and we're going to build a new one. And this time we're going to be a bit more careful of what we give them. In the, in the will factor and the knowing factor. But he didn't, did he? See, this is the reason he didn't, because before he even created you and me, he had a plan to redeem us because he knew we were going to do something stupid. He knew that we were going to choose the, the sin, the knowledge, the wanting to be like God over God, but he still created us. He didn't just go, hey, oh no, they bet the apple. What are we going to do now? And then he called a, a union meeting and said, hey, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do about this problem? That's not what happened. Before he even created the foundation of the earth, he had decided to send his son, Jesus, to die for you and me. See? That is the, the why we are like we are. Because we're born sinners. You don't have to train to be a sinner. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know. We... we 
There's a, there, we, we've got a crowd. That I, I can only see one person in the crowd uh, that doesn't have some relate. Like a, a, I, I know he doesn't know what a child, uh, that looking after a child and, and a baby is as, as much. But, but uh, when a baby's born, do you have to teach them to sin? I've never had to teach one of my kids or my grandchildren to sin. They are pretty good at it all by themselves. I never had to teach them how to lie. They knew how to lie. I don't know how, but they knew how to lie. They knew how to think the world revolves around them. Have you ever noticed that? They come out thinking the world revolves around them. It's because we have the sin nature born inside of us. That is why we're in this predicament in the first place. That is why we live in a fallen, broken world, because we're born sinners. But there's a chance that Jesus will show up for you and rescue you out of the depths. See? Jesus cares too much to let us stay as we are. See, that's the thing about when Jesus gets you, he, he loves you so much, the sin can't separate you from, but he's not going to leave you in it. He's not going to say, no, you stay in this sin, and I will just let you keep living that. If you choose that path, do you know what he's going to use? He's going to use your sin to bring you closer to him by letting that sin take you to the bottom of the pit so you need him to rescue you. See, this woman had many problems, and because Jesus loved her, he wanted her to have a better life than she had previously known. I mean, if you think about this woman, she'd been married five times, she's got one that she's living with. She's got a bad tr trouble in picking a, 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 a husband, obviously. But also... She's probably lived a life where she's been abused, used, and basically said, spit her out and say, move on. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. We don't know a real a lot about the woman, except we know that she was married five times and was living with another man that she wasn't married to. We know that she was living a life of sin when Jesus spoke to her. See, Jesus loved this woman just as she was, but he loved her too much to let her remain in her sad state. So what did he do? She asked for living water, and guess what he gave her? Living water. He gave her the living water. That is because God gives us what we need. Not what we want. All of us have a lot of wants. God doesn't fill wants. He might, he might, he might, might give you a few wants every now and again. But he always gives you what you need. And by the way, if you're living in your sin, he'll let you crash and burn in that sin. Because that is what, it's get, what you need in that situation. I hear all the time, if God is real, why does he allow this to happen to me? 
If God is such a loving God, why does he let this happen? Because we live in a fallen, broken world. And because God is God, and he knows if he just keeps bailing you out, he's going to say, you're just going to keep doing the same stupid stuff over and over again. So he's going to let you have the consequences for your actions because he's a loving father. Because that's what loving fathers do. Jesus wants to meet our deepest need. See, our deepest need is salvation. That's our deepest need. I didn't even know I needed it till I, I, I actually, Jesus showed up 20 years ago. He showed up offering me grace, which I don't deserve. But we've got to remember, salvation is a gift, and a gift from him. But it's not just a gift. Salvation is a relationship with Jesus. See, all these other religions don't talk about relationships with their God. But Christianity, we have a relationship with our God. You see, our God wants a relationship with you. Do you know how you have that relationship? By reading your Bible. That's how he speaks to you 99% of the time. And praying to him because that's how you talk to him. And these are things that we have to get better at if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to commit our lives to following him, if we want to make this world a little bit better because we were in it, because we knew Jesus. Then I love this part. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? They'd said that too many times to know that Jesus would have shot them down. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who had told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Jesus changes us. See, once we see who he is and who we are, we can't help but be changed. See, if you're still the same as when you said, yes, Jesus, you're my savior, there's something wrong with your life because you're not truly submitted to Christ. He isn't just your Savior, he's your Lord. And if he's changed you, you can't help but tell others about him because it is the good news. Life is short. Life is short. I just did a friend's funeral on Monday. And our life is but a dash. 
He was 91 years old. He retired at 89. His life was short. Doesn't seem short, 91 years, but eternity is forever. And you see, the reason when God called me to ministry, I want to share the gospel with as many people as I can, is because I want to be he- he- I want heaven to be fuller. Not because of anything I've done, but what God's done through me. I want heaven to be fuller because Calvary Memorial existed. Because you exist and you say you believe in Jesus Christ and you can make a difference. You see, how great would it be if you found an oasis in a desert? You've been walking through this desert for ages and now you found an oasis. But first you have to run up to it and you have to make sure, I've seen enough movies, that it's not a mirage or it's not a stagnant pool of water. It needs to be living water because if it's not, you can't drink it. You'll get sick and die. You're in a desert. You need water. You see, whoever you are, don't be afraid to really meet Jesus. Really submit your life to following Jesus. See, he has something to tell you and something to give you that no one else can give you. See, don't you admire people that can look at people and see their gifts and their potential? And they can say, hey, teachers are usually good at this. They can, they can look at a young child and say, wow, he would be a great athlete. Or she, would, she, she would, could be a great doctor. Or he could be a great musician. Or she could be a great artist. You see, Jesus had that special insight. He could look at, a, at people rejected by this world. The woman at the well was rejected by the world she lived in. And he said, she would make a great disciple. The outcast. Nobody wanted anything to do with her. But she runs, runs back. Doesn't even take her water jug. And she runs back to her village that she is ashamed of being a part of because of what her shame and guilt has done to her life, that she doesn't care anymore. She is going to share her testimony about Jesus with everybody and anybody that will listen. That's what we need to be doing as a church and as a people. The way this church grows is by preaching the gospel sharing your testimony with other people of how Jesus has changed your life and inviting them, especially on Memorial Day when you get picnic. So so saying all of that, I want you this week 
to read the whole book of James. So it's not even long. It's five chapters. There's a lot in it. I don't want you to say you understand the book of James in a week because we're going to study it for a long, a few weeks, we'll say. But there's five chapters. Spend 15, 20 minutes this week reading the five chapters. Maybe read it over a few times. And get ready, get your hearts ready to hear what James has to say to us as Christians. The other reason I picked the book of James wasn't just because he's the brother of Jesus. It was because... He, he also has practical ways to live as a Christian in that book. And here's the thing is, a little bit about James. James didn't believe Jesus was, his, Jesus was the Messiah until after Jesus died and was resurrected. James grew up with Jesus, so he knows what he was like. And when he rose from the grave, James goes, wow. He really is my savior, not just my brother. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are a great and awesome God, that you love us exactly where we are. You are uh, just an amazing God, that even when we're not searching for you, you come looking. You're always looking for your people, to call them home. And we thank you for that. Because a lot of us wouldn't be here. All of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the fact that you found us when we were lost and broken and needed our love, your love and care in our lives. So we ask, God, that you help us to be brave, help us to encourage us to be strong in our faith, as we walk it every single day, just not, just, not just on Sunday, God. And we live out our life for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.